0: You're part of God's. Hey, church, thanks for being here this morning. We're going to dig into God's word together. Before we do that, can I pray? Can I pray for us? God, I thank you for your body gathered in this place. Gathered together to glorify you as king over all. May that truth Penetrate deep into our hearts, that we might go from here living as your servants in this world. God, I pray as we turn to your word that you would open up your word for us, that you would speak to us through your word and convict us in the heart. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Two weeks ago, the Highland elders made an announcement. And remember, the announcement had two parts. The first part was that in January of 2023, the Highland Church is going to add an instrumental worship service. The second part of the promise is that we are keeping our two acapella services the same. And so, the announcement has those two important dimensions, and we've been exploring that together for the last few weeks. This is the second in a series on, on the topic. Let me encourage you to come this afternoon where we're gonna engage some of the questions you probably have deeper. It's a digging deeper session with David Jackson, one of your shepherds and myself. This is part two. We had part one last week. We're covering different material this week. Specifically, we're just going to answer all of the questions that have been asked, and they're great questions. We're going to work through them one by one. And so, if you would like to hear more about the biblical rationale for this, the historical reasoning behind this, then come this afternoon at 4 p.m. for that session. It's in the youth mission. Let me give a specific plug. If the passages Ephesians 519 or Colossians 316 mean anything to you, then you should come this afternoon. All right, we'll talk about that. If you're new to Churches of Christ and those passages are like, what are, you're like getting out your phone, what is Ephesians 519? You're probably good, okay? Don't worry about it. But if those passages mean something to you, come this afternoon. Uh, let me just say, we've probably got guests here today and maybe relatives of somebody who's coming here to Highland. Maybe you're connected to a Church of Christ somewhere else, and you're like, I miss something, okay? Go back and watch last week. And what I did last week is I talked about big picture, why we think that this decision is biblically good and glorifying. That's the language we're using, good and glorifying. I'm not going to cover all those details again today. What I'm going to think about specifically today is, is this decision good and glorifying for Highland? So I'm thinking about who we are and what we're about here. This summer, our elders shared what we're calling Vision 2028. That's to build up the next generation. Our elders don't believe that this was just kind of a fancy idea they came up with while brainstorming on the drawing board. This came through over a year of prayer and study of God's word, of reflecting on our own church and on our movement a, and really more reflections on the state of our world in a deep deep conviction that God is calling us using our unique gifts as a church to give everything we have to build up a lasting faith in the next generation. And one of the passages that this is anchored in is Psalm 78. And while you're turning there, let me say something while you're still looking at that vision. We're going to be in Psalm 78. It's one of our anchor passages. But in some ways, the Highland elders have talked about instrumental worship for over a decade. And some of you have asked the question, well, why now? What's different now? Why are we adding this instrumental service now? And the answer is this vision. This vision. This is what's different about Highland from Highland 10 years ago, is that we believe God is calling us with everything we have to build up the next generation. And we think this is a part of that. I'm going to try to explain that today, but come with me to Psalm 78. Let me show you something here is one of our two anchor passages. You're going to hear both today, Psalm 78 and Ephesians 4. Look, Look with me at this. The people of God say this. They feel a burden for this. We will tell, pay attention to that word. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done. And then they would put their trust in God, It would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. This is what I want you to see and what our elders have seen as they've looked at this passage. The church or the people of God has the responsibility to tell the next generation what God has done, the truths of God. So we're going to tell or we're going to teach the next generation those truths. But did you see the aim of that teaching? The goal of that teaching is that they would come to trust God and be obedient to him. And that that trust and obedience would not just exist at the level of their heads, but it would make it where to their hearts or spirits, their deepest inner selves. And so our our elders believe that if we are going to build up the next generation, it is not sufficient to teach them about the truth of the Lord, but they need to experience it at the level of their heart and soul. It's both of those things. Okay, so why is it so important for you to recognize that? Why is it so important to see this clearly? Well, let me show you some data. I've shown you some of this before. It's the data that was deeply convicting to our elders as we considered this decision. And here's what I'll say, we don't make decisions based on data, but we do pay attention to data and see it as a signal that something may be needing attention. Let me show you this. In 2011, 59% of young people, young adults, dropped out of church after the age of 18, once they graduated from church. This is from the Barna Group. This is a study that looked across all Christian religious groups in America. 59% dropped out once they became adults. The number is not improving. In 2019, that number had climbed to 64%. So, things are going in the wrong direction. And there's a temptation to think that we are insulated from that, and surely that would never happen to us. But a recent study by two guys, Stan Granberg and Tim Woodruff, revealed that in churches of Christ, the number is worse. It's 85%. That 85% of our young people will actually, what they discovered was leave any church by the time they're 25, but at least churches of Christ. It gets a little bit harder to track once they're outside churches of Christ, 80. 5 percent. You look at the demographics of our movement, Churches of Christ broadly, and we're a little more evenly spaced than this, but in Churches of Christ broadly, 60 percent are over the age of 50. If you bump that down to 40, you're at 75 percent are over the age of 40. And if you bump it down to 30, if you include my generation, and I'm not the next generation, if you include me, 87 percent of our movement is over the age of 30. And what this has meant in Churches of of Christ is rapid decline. Nine Churches of Christ close their doors every month, including here in our city. You know the churches that have closed. Two thousand members of Churches of Christ disappear from our ranks every month. That would be like two Highlands worth of believers disappearing from our movement every month. Okay many, if not most of those are young. That's what the data reveals to us. So we don't make decisions based on data, but that's important stuff for us to recognize is going on. If you went to the doctor and they gave you numbers like that, you'd be asking, what do I need to do with my diet? What do I need to change? Okay. Now, church after church that we talk to, you see those numbers. There, there are so many churches that have gone before us in this, and churches of Christ who have become both and, okay, and uh, both instrumental and a cappella. And so we talked to so many of those churches, and you know what they all told us? They said the group in your church that'll have the hardest time with this is actually my group, young parents. And the reason is that my group still has living relatives that we want to honor who taught us and brought us up in the faith. And those living relatives may not approve of this. And we want to honor them and want to have a good Thanksgiving. Okay. And the second reason, my kids are not yet old enough to decide where they want to worship, how they want to worship, and if they want to worship at all. And so, I'm insulated from those numbers. I'm insulated from them. I took uh, Noble, my son, to a youth rally this weekend that I was speaking at, and, and so, when I do those, I love to take a boy with me. And I, sh- of course, shared a C.S. Lewis story, and he's in the crowd. Of, I'm around teenagers, and I'm like, has anybody read Chronicles of Narnia? And he's like, me, me, everybody, I read it. And, uh, and as I was talking to them, These numbers came to mind as I was looking out this room of about 600 kids and seeing my boy among them. And I just had this sensation while I was preaching of three quarters of them disappearing. And I'm like looking at him surrounded by all these teenagers wondering, is he gonna be one of those? I was with the new president of Harding University the other day, Mike Williams. He came and spoke at Harding School of Theology, one of our partner ministries. And he said, you know, Senior Sunday oh, it's the best Sunday. We get up there, we get those seniors up on the stage and we bless them. We just pray great prayers of blessing as we're going to send them on their way for God's sake. And he said, that Sunday breaks my heart because as I look up there, seven out of 10 of them, I know this is the last Sunday they'll have a meaningful relationship with the body of Christ in their life. Seven out of 10. He said, and so, hearing all that may make you think that our elders believe adding an instrumental service solves the crisis of faith among our young people. And let me tell you, not a single one of our elders believes it even comes close to solving it. They are under no illusion that this solves that problem. But they do believe it's a piece of it. And that's what I want to explain. The bigger picture that our elders believe that I'm convicted of as well is that what will solve the faith crisis for our young people is the truth of God. Come with me to Ephesians and I want to flesh that out with you, make a little more sense of that, and we'll see how it applies to worship. Come with me to Ephesians 4. Paul in Ephesians 4, this is our other anchor passage for our vision of building up the next generation. In Ephesians 4, Paul imagines the world as a place where truth is wishy-washy. That's the language he uses of of truth being washed here and there and people being caught up in these waves and pushed back and forth. So it's kind of like a world where everybody's truth is their truth and you speak your own truth, which it's hard to imagine a world like that. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Paul says that the purpose of the church and specifically of the church's leaders is this, come with me to Ephesians 4 verse 11, that Christ himself gave the church leaders so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's our key word for our vision. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Now, you know why we chose this passage for the next generation attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ and then pay attention here will no longer be infants who are tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming, instead speaking the what? Truth, Truth and love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, and that is Christ. Here's what our elders believe, and what I believe, and what our staff believes. In a world where our young people are struggling to know what is true, they need an anchor to keep from getting washed away. And if we are going to build up the next generation, then what they need to know is that the word of God through the church is the source of truth in a world without it. Let me say that again. We believe if we're going to build up the next generation, they need to know that the word of God through the church is the source of truth in a world without it. But how do you learn a thing like that? So, uh, one of my sons was Frodo Baggins for Halloween and, um, and so he, uh, he, of course, needed the one ring to rule them all. And it was hard to find, since the whole Fires of Mordor thing, but it turns out it's only eight dollars on Amazon now. And so, uh, we got the one ring to rule them all. And the only instruction we gave him was, don't wear it before Halloween because you may what? Lose it. So it's the day of trunk or treat when Frodo Baggins is gonna make his grand appearance for the people of God. And, um, <laughs> and he wears it that morning to church, thinking like, surely it won't be lost before trunk or treat. Well, we go out to lunch with some friends. He sticks his fingers into some holly bushes outside the restaurant. He pulls his hand out and the one ring is gone. And it, you just ask Gollum about that. The one ring has a habit of disappearing, right? And so all these moms in their dresses and young ladies in their dresses were under these holly bushes in the front of Gus's fried chicken looking for this ring. And finally we found it. Okay. So what did he learn in that moment? Right? Like what mom and dad was, were telling me was what? True. Because now he experienced the cost, the weight of that at the level of his heart. He was heartbroken until we found it. Think about how we teach our young people anything. Think with me here. Imagine you're at a youth uh, rally or a uh, uh, church camp with our young people. And the lesson is that you can trust the body of Christ. And that is such an important lesson for our young people to know. When they're carrying burdens, they need to know they can trust the body of Christ with those burdens. So somebody gets up there and they teach a lesson about why you should trust the body of Christ. And then they're like, okay, everybody, come here. Here's something that's really tall. Somebody stand on this, everybody else get behind them and then just fall off and see what happens. You know, trust fall, right? And sure enough, everybody catches them and it's like, see? the church is going to catch you. And now you experience that, that had got first to your head. Now it's somehow it's got to your heart. Or we teach them that sharing their faith is really important. And then our youth ministers work with one kid after another, and they do this almost every week. They work with one kid after another, helping them to develop their testimony. And then those kids get up there on Wednesday night and they share their testimony and they're scared out of their minds. And you know what they find out? Oh, that was pretty good. Like that connected with people, huh? Or we teach them that serving other people is good. We teach them that from the time they're little. They're like, hey, you should serve other people. I've preached so many sermons on serving other people, but you know how they learn to serve other people as they go on a time trip or they go on power hour, they stuff backpacks for Macon Hall or LaRose Elementary and they realize, oh, that actually feels good. Maybe what they're telling me is what? True, I've experienced it. So this is where worship comes in. What is the greatest truth in their lives? The greatest truth in our lives, the greatest truth in all of history and all of eternity. You know what the greatest truth is? It's that Jesus is King over all. That's the greatest truth. How do they experience that? My son brought home, um, this is his uh, Highland third grade review. Uh, on the front of it, it's Days of Creation. On the back, some questions. Highland third grade review. He got this from Sunday school class the other day, and I held on to it. It says, question number one, what is our only hope in life and death? His answer in his writing, that we are not our own. We belong to God. Well, who is God? He is the king. He's creator of everything. How and why did God create us? Well, God made us male and female in his image to glorify him. Okay, if those truths exist only on this piece of paper and never get to his heart, he's going to be one of the 85%. And that is not okay. That is not okay. It has to get to his heart, and that's where worship comes in. Where do you learn and experience the greatest truth that Jesus is king over all? It's in worship. That's why worship was designed by God, for your heart to be laid bare and to glorify him, to find yourself falling back into his arms, and he catches you there in worship. That's what's supposed to happen there. That's where you experience what you have come to understand in your head. And that's why worship wasn't our idea. Worship was God's idea. Worship is an instruction that God gives his people. And you know what God cares about when we worship? The heart. Look at this from Isaiah. The Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Jesus echoes this very same thing in John four when he tells the woman at the well that one day you're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Hear that language, you know, where the spirit resides, according to Romans eight, the spirit resides in the heart. Jesus is saying the same thing that God the Father here is saying. All of them are saying different ways of saying the same thing. What God wants most when you come to worship him is for your heart to be engaged with him, for you to know and experience the great truth at that level so that you'll trust him and be obedient to him. That's why. And so this is why music and song are a part of worship. Again, music and song are not the fancy ideas of humans who are trying to figure out how to please God. Music and song are instructed to us by the Lord. I mean, look at Ephesians 5.19, you know this passage, if you've grown up in Churches of Christ, sing and make music from your what? Heart. God wants our hearts fully engaged in worship. Music has that kind of power, doesn't it? I mean, how many of you have made a mixtape for somebody to express your love for them, a boyfriend or girlfriend. How many of you are from the mixtape, mix CD generation? Maybe a playlist, a Spotify playlist. I don't know if that's what you do now. Yeah, we got some people who've done that. Why? To express your love in song. That's why. The other day we were riding in the car, and um, my fourth grade girlfriend. We had a song, Edwin McCain's "Truly Madly Deeply." Do, and. Um, <laughs> That song came on the radio. Now, just for, for frame of reference here, in fourth grade, I had a chili bowl haircut, and so did she. So, that song came on the radio, and I was like, Lindsay, this was my girlfriend in fourth grade. This was our song. And I start singing, I'll be, and she reaches forward, she turns it off. <laughs> what does Scripture tell us again and again, right? To sing and make music from the heart, because the heart opens up us to the Lord like it opens us up to others. So, okay, let me me tie some of these strings together. So, what does this have to do with our young people? Well, this discussion and ultimately this decision was prompted by conversations, intentional conversations that our elders had with young people at Highland and young people who've left. So, high school age, college age, young adult age and their parents. First, let me say how proud I am of our elders, that those men would go and talk to them about what they need from us first. But what they heard in those conversations, they didn't hear a single young person say, church is boring and we want to be better entertained. Not a single young person said that. Not a single one of our young people expressed to their, our elders that they want to be better entertained. You know what they said? They said six and a half days a week, we're worshiping God with K love or our Spotify playlist as we're getting ready for school, as we're out running on the track, as we're driving to school with our parents, as our parents are getting us dressed for church in the morning. Six and a half days a week, we're worshiping God. And what we have discovered is that it's getting to our hearts. And our hearts are connecting with God in ways that we did not know were possible. And I guess if you're asking, what we're saying is we would sure love to worship with our hearts the Lord who you told us about. And we'd like to do it with you, not somewhere else. Now, it's pretty easy to tell a kid um, we're not trying to entertain you. That's not what worship's about. It's much harder to say no to that request. Our hearts are encountering the deep truths of God and worship throughout the week. And when we come here, it feels like a different language. We'd sure love to worship God like that with you. All right. And especially because they're not the first to feel that way. I mean, you know this from David in Psalm 108. We looked at some of these passages last week. David says, my heart, O God, is steadfast. He actually repeats heart twice in the original language. My heart, my heart, God, is steadfast. I'll sing and make music with all of my soul. So, my whole being is going to be involved in this. Awake, harp, and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. His whole heart was engaged. What our young people are experiencing is not a new phenomenon. I mean, that's what we think is like, this is brand new. This has never happened before in the history of the world. And I'll admit there are differences today. We're only now reaching the point where Christian contemporary music is close to as good as what they're hearing on the secular stations. And our child might choose Maverick City music over Taylor Swift. I mean, the 1970s Christian worship was terrible on the radio, if He was even on there. Even into the 80s and 90s, you go back and you listen to that and you kind of cringe, right? And that's why you listen to ACDC on your way to church on Sunday morning. It has reached a level of quality that is pretty incredible. And so, the modern hymn book that's being produced is tapping into the hearts of our young people and some of us. Can I get an amen? It's tapping into our hearts in ways that we never encountered or expected. And we are experiencing the deep truths that Jesus is king over all. And man, we just want to experience it with the people who taught us that. That's who we want to experience with. Yip Harburg, he was the guy who wrote the um, soundtrack to The Wizard of Oz, including somewhere over the rainbow. He has this line, and we thought about this a lot. He said, words, words make you think a thought. Pay attention here. Words make you think a thought. Music helps you feel a feeling. A song makes you feel a thought. Feel a thought in the heart. Now, did Yip come up with that? No, that's by God's design. That music would tap into our hearts and that our hearts would therefore be open to the great truths of God. When the heart is engaged in worship, that is not manipulation, that's worship. That's what's supposed to happen according to the biblical instructions we're giving when you worship is that your heart is supposed to go from off to on with God. Let me show you that. Come with me to 1 Corinthians 14. It's the longest passage on Christian worship, and we're going to end with this. Paul finishes this passage by giving this instruction. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's the primary principle for what makes good Christian worship, if it's building up the faith of the people who are gathered for it. But Paul says that singing is going to be connected to that. He says, This is how we should sing. So, what shall I do? I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I'll sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Spirit's synonymous with heart here. Paul's describing what we're talking about. When you worship, you're accessing truth up here and you're moving it down here. That's what's happening in worship. That's what Paul's describing. But what Paul knows, is that this will only take place for somebody if the worship is in a worship language they understand. And so he has this instruction about whether or not you should speak in tongues, but pay attention to the principle. The idea is there's going to be people who come to your church who are far from God, whose faith is struggling, and the goal of your worship service should be for them to connect, for their heart to be laid bare and for them to join you in worship. Let me read it to you and then I'll explain. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer, somebody who's new in the faith or unexposed comes in while everyone is prophesying, they can understand it. They'll be convicted of sin. They'll be brought under judgment by all and the secrets of their what are laid bare, their hearts are laid bare. So they fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. The point is not entertainment. Um, like, frankly, we don't have the budget to compete with the concert that's going to happen at the Liberty Bowl. Okay. Uh, we will never be here as entertaining as what the kids can encounter on their phone when they walk out these doors. And I'll just be really honest with you. That's why the world is better at discipling our kids than we are. They're plugged in to a world that's better equipped, better funded to disciple them six and a half days a week. And we're up against that. Not a single one of our elders believes that this change, okay, solves all of our problems. But if we can get to their heart, we want to do it. We want to do it. And so this may not be for you. Maybe acapella, you're connecting with God great in cappella, Your heart is open and on fire with God all the time. Praise God, stay in this service. But maybe there's somebody in your family, maybe you're a young person who struggles to have that, their heart go from off to on when they're here. If this will help for God's truth to land in their heart, then we're going to go after it. Let me pray over you. God, as we talked about last week, the first and most important priority for us is that our decisions would be good and glorifying to you. God, I'm thankful for elders who have studied this and believe that this is the case with this decision. And secondly, God, secondly, is this burden we feel to build up the next generation. We are not okay with the number of our young people who are leaving. In fact, I know and have heard from people in this room whose hearts ache every Sunday because their kid, grown kid, is on the couch somewhere or worshiping somewhere else when they could be here. God, our desire, our great desire is to glorify you in all things. We pray that this decision would do that. And we pray that we might have a small hand in your work of building up the next generation here. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.